I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Guys, this is Matt Donald from the future, from the year 2070. I'm 79 years old. I know I don't sound it, but look, healthcare got really, really great in the future. But you know what didn't get great? Everything else. A nuclear war. Countries hate each other even more than they do now. Wealth inequality is up the wazoo. People are starving. Global warming has become global. Holy crap, it's really hot-ing. Uh, it's terrible. But the consensus is that it's the way it is now because in this version of the future, not enough people subscribe to my Patreon account at patreon.com slash MatthewDonald. Well, I've come back to try and fix that future from ever happening again. So if you like your future to be, you know, pretty good, like not great, but better than this, then subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash MatthewDonald. There you can find bonus content for both my shows, The Ritwit and Paleobites. For the Paleobites bonus content, we discuss pop culture featuring prehistoric animals, and this month we're talking about Paraworld, a really obscure but really fun real-time strategy game from back in the day that has dinosaurs and people riding dinosaurs and robots and pirates and samurai and guns. It's been described as Dinotopia meets Warcraft, and that's quite an apt description, I'd say. Link is in the description for you can sign up to the Patreon. Thank you for your support, and have a lovely day. Sign up to the Patreon. Do it for the future! Now I gotta go back before the time police catch me. Roar, growl, snarl, bellow. Roar. Welcome to Paleo Bites, the podcast that tries as hard as a try, try, triceratops. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That one was real bad. My name is Matthew Donald, and each week I and a rotating series of guest co-hosts talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week, I'm joined by someone who's so important <laughs> to to their job that it's going to fall apart if they don't come right now, but she's got better obligations. Well. It's Natasha Crack. How are you? I'm doing well. That's good. Yeah, you told them like you got got better obligations. I uh, did tell them I was in the middle of something. Because, yes, folks, right as we are starting to record this, my work called. Yeah. And I told them I'd like, be busy. You screw your work. I want to talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. I guess that's true. We're not really talking about any dinosaurs, are we? In fact, actually, looking at all of our stuff... No, we're not talking about a single dinosaur today. What? What? It's all these other creatures. Ah. Ah. Boring. Nah, it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ah, there's a lot of cool creatures besides dinosaurs uh, back in prehistoric times. The fossil record's full of some incredible animals. Okay, so here's a dinosaur-related question. That's, except it's not a dinosaur-related question. What's your favorite non-prehistoric dinosaur? Non-dinosaur from prehistoric. Wait, what's your favorite prehistoric animal <laughs> that is not a dinosaur? <laughs> Oh, so that one has changed a lot over the years. Yeah. Years ago, I would have told you saber-toothed tiger. Yes. Because, you know what, they're just awesome. They are pretty awesome. Um, It's only recently that I've learned that pterodactyls aren't dinosaurs, technically. They're not dinosaurs, but they're very closely related. They're cool. Yeah. Um, They're both in the archosaur group of reptiles, so. I've always been a fan of the dire wolf. Dire Wolf, Canis Dyrus, yes. As it turns out, uh, recent research is showing they might not actually be wolves. Oh, man, our episode we did of them was outdated now. <laughs> uh. Uh, um, I would say that it, I've got a variety. Okay. Uh, we're talking about an interesting little critter that... That's, uh, that's true. ...dug we, its way into my heart that's recently. That's true. Dug its way, oh, literally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, not literally, you're still alive. It's not in your heart. <laughs> yeah, chestburster style. <laughs> come, come out, no. All right, no, we're talking about Diictodon. The, it means two weasel tooth. <laughs> well, why? I don't know. Doesn't look like a... I mean, I guess it kind of looks like a weasel. Uh, uh, it looks no. like a mammal. It looks like a gopher more to me, but... It, or prairie dog. Yeah, something like that. Uh, type is a... Is a dicynodont, a group of mammal-like synapsids that last until the big extinction at the end of the Triassic that made dinosaurs the dominant land animals. Uh, size 1.5 feet slash 45 centimeters long. So kind of cute. I think you just, yeah, something kind of small. As long as, as long as like your arm from your elbow outwards, probably. About the size of a modern bearded dragon. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Uh <laughs> Little lizard. Probably similar attitude. <laughs> probably, uh, probably a lot more active though, because this was, uh, you know, in uh, synapsid, so it might have had some bit more warm bloodedness to it. Not fully warm blooded yet, but probably. Yeah, uh, Dieta was an herbivore. That was nice, cute little gopher-like thing, uh, <laughs> or prairie dog-like thing. Are prairie dogs herbivores? Yes, they are. Although they will not turn their nose up at insects. I was gonna say I could see them eating like a bug or something. They do often. eat prefer to eat the roots of plants, which makes them a menace to farmers. Yes. Yes, that makes sense. I imagine Dyictodont would have had some similar uh, attributes. Yep. All the farmers back then probably shot at the (laughs) Dyictodont. All right. Um, Time late Permian, 260 to 254 million years ago. So it did not quite die out at the big extinction event of the Permian. Although I think it might have gotten just to the tip of it. But, you know, it died beforehand. So, uh, that walking with dinosaurs lied to me about that. According to that, it not only was during the extinction event, but it survived the extinction event. Uh, no. Probably just barely. Yeah. Like, uh. Burrowers like, do tend to do well in like, case re- of extinction events. Yeah, they do. They do. And maybe it did survive, but it just, it, when it says 50, 254 million years ago, that was the time it evolved into something else. I don't know could be. I don't know. Who knows? Probably paleontologists know I'd, I'd wager, but <laughs> uh, it was described in 1876. Uh, pop culture appearance, Walking with Monsters, as I said, but also this is where you know it from, the sci-fi show Primeval. Yes, that is where I first ran across the little buggers. Yeah, and they're like, and they're, well, they become one of the characters' pets, right? Yes, they do. I need to watch that show. It sounds bonkers. It is bonkers. Bonkers. Like it's it's not, British, so of course it's I bonkers. think it's by Impossible Pictures, which is the same uh, com- production company that did Walking the Walking With series. So. Ah, 
But yeah, it is bonkers. Yeah, they they do a bunch of prehistoric animals from times from like these uh, time warps. But they also do some hypothetical future animals. Yes, that yeah. are based on bats. Oh, wow. and they are actually terrifying. Oh wow, yeah, future bat. I think I've seen, I've heard about them like future flightless bats sort of thing. Yes, that kind of still crawl like bats. <laughs> yeah, thankfully they can't fly. Otherwise, yeah, that'd be the self of nightmares. Nah. And they were already pretty freaky. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have you ever read the book After Man: The Zoology of the Future. I've listened to a lot of reviews of it and seen a lot of the illustrations. Yeah, there's a creature in it called the Night Stalker. That's a flightless bat relative, and it is scary, man. And that might be what they base it off of. Yeah. Well, it's like it, it does like the whole like uh, Sebulba from Phantom Menace thing, where it walks on its hands and it uses its feet to grab things and claw at things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that super bad is uh, something else. Yeah, man. Uh, so, you like gophers? Uh, who doesn't like gophers? Gardeners, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, the any burrowing creature can be a menace to your garden. Yeah. What about and That includes insects. Yes, of course. What about gophers that are more reptile-like but are still in the evolutionary track of mammals and mammal ancestors? Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Although, if that makes you more interested, though, you have you sure have weird taste. <laughs> Regardless, say hello to Diectodon, a cute little synapsid that was one of the most successful creatures in the whole of the Permian. Half of all Permian vertebrate fossils in South Africa are from Diectodon. Fun! Oh, I, did I say where it was from? I, I think I might have skipped uh, location. Zambia, South Africa, and China. Nice! Okay. I just, I went to, yeah, from time to described in 1876. Whoops. Okay, so yeah, in South Africa, half of all Permian vertebrate fossils there are from Diectodon. If only it knew how successful one of its relatives would be just a few million years later. <laughs> uh, for more on that, listen to our episode on Lystrosaurus, or Lystrosaurus, depending on how you search that. Have you heard that episode, or you've heard of that animal before? I think you've brought it up in conversation once or twice. Lystrosaurus is freaking insane how successful it was. Because <laughs> it survived the Permian extinction, it was during Pangaea. It was a burrower. It, it, it had a very generalized diet. It exploded in, po- in population. From an evolutionary standpoint, though, generalists do tend to do quite well. Right. And it, just, it just ticked all the right boxes. But, of course, as soon as other creatures evolved that could be a little bit better at it at one thing, then those specialists started taking it over in that niche, and then other specialists took over in that niche, and then... Yeah... yeah. Being a generalist does allow versatility, but sometimes the specialists do do better. I mean, like, look, we and to, to bring it to an example we all know, in Super Smash Bros, <laughs> <laughs> Mario may be a good all-around character, but if you want to get really good, you pick a character that's more specialized, like Meta Knight. <laughs> like, you really do. Like someone who's like really good at certain things, like just really good at, like, that I always picked Yoshi because he's a dinosaur and I was no good at him and I don't think he's actually a really good character. But he's who cares? I, I play Yoshi in those games because <laughs> I, I played Pikachu a lot. Pikachu, yeah, uh, or Kirby. I've actually gotten to play Marf though because <laughs> <laughs> I was getting decent with Marf. Nice. Uh, but you know, I think it'd be really funny. <laughs> the thing about those, I've heard this before in podcasts where like they talk about like how. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. You know, when you when you go into professional play of Super Smash Brothers, generally you get people who pick these characters that are really good at one thing and just really hammer them home. It's I like, mean, a one-trick pony can be really good at its trick. But like there's there could be someone that's so good that they specifically pick Mario. And it's a power move. <laughs> it's like, I'm so good, I can beat you at the most generalist character. <laughs> I mean, professional video gamers? Wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, so, um, so, Diactodon, uh, it had little tusks sticking out from its upper jaw, with those of the male being slightly larger. Uh, they also had a sharp parrot-like beak, similar to other synapsids, but it was their burrowing lifestyle that made them unique. Uh, ah. They could these burrows. We we actually have found evidence of them. They could be up to five feet deep, and some of them we found have been had over five hundred square meters of space. That is bigger than my current apartment. Like <laughs> you're living a bit lavishly, huh, Diapsodon? <laughs> well, I mean, burrowers do tend to do quite well. Yeah, I guess that's true. And also, to be fair, they didn't have a ceiling as high as they did in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were kind of small. <laughs> yeah, low ceilings, but still five hundred square meters, like. That's an impressive uh, tunneling system for yeah. a creature so small. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you, if you talk character the ceiling, I'm sure I had more cubic meters, but they had more square meters, so... Probably. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so despite how common Diactodon was and how big these burrows are, they were not connected to each other, ruling out the notion of prairie dog-like colonies. Oh, so they weren't as communal. No, they were not. We have found fossilized Diactodon eggs and babies together in those burrows, though, so it was likely there was some parental care from both the mother and the father. So there might have been little family groups, but not like a huge colony or anything. Ah, yeah, that would make some sense. <laughs> yeah, still kind of cute to imagine, like, a bunch of Diactodon just poking <laughs> the little heads up. <laughs> just been like... Alert! Alert! <laughs> I imagine, though, that some of the communities were close together, even though their tunnels wouldn't have been linked. They weren't, their tunnels weren't linked, and but they were—they probably would compete. Although, as soon as one of them spotted a predator, they would all know it. That's the yeah, nice thing about probably would. them living together. So, I mean, modern prairie dogs, meerkats, and others do do that. Yeah, one of the predators around that time was... Uh, in, uh, I do not know how to pronounce it. It's called. It's an, also known as a gorgonopsid, but it's ah. it's the in, Insectiostrivia or something. I don't know exactly how to, how to pronounce it, but it's the big super predator before the dinosaurs that was a synapsid, and it looked 
like a dog. It looked like a big rhino-sized dog. Like yikes! Like it was scary looking, and some people even depicted as having fur. And that's just weird to think about this big wolf-sized creature pre-dinosaurs. That is interesting. Not wolf-sized, wolf-like, far bigger than wolves. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it is interesting to think that some of those things came before the dinosaurs. Because yeah. when we think big, we think dinosaurs. Well, it's like it's like it's so funny. Like if you look at like the the trajectory of life, uh, the mammal ancestors were by far the more dominant ones before the dinosaurs, the synapsids. And so, if it weren't for the Permian extinction, mammals might have had a head start. They might have. <laughs> like, dinosaurs happen to be the most good at, at exploiting the niche post-Permian extinction. And especially, well, especially after the Triassic extinction as well. Like, even in the Triassic period, dinosaurs were not quite the dominant creature. Mm-hmm. Like, like, they only evolved in the late Triassic. And then by the end, you got some big ones like Platysaurus. But they still weren't, like, the dominant creature. I mean, it takes time for a creature to become dominant. Yeah, like, in the Triassic, you got, like, the other synapsids. And you got some uh, crocodile relatives like Postosuchus. The Ryosuchians are what those are called. And some of them looked like dinosaurs. It was kind of scary. I mean, if it weren't for the more aquatic nature of the crocs, they probably could have become very, very dominant. A lot of them were terrestrial, though, back then. So it's crazy. Um, But yeah, then once the trash extinction hit, dinosaurs just became the big guys for another 150 or so million years. And uh, they... uh, yeah, it's just weird to think about the Permian extinction didn't happen. Maybe mammals and maybe by that extinction humans would have evolved several hundred million years earlier. And maybe in that hypothetical scenario, humans and dinosaurs could have uh, walked together. Interesting. Hey, yeah. speculative evolutionarists, <laughs> write a story I mean, about this. Here's the thing. I don't think if that had happened, dinosaurs would have gotten as big. No, it might no. have topped out around the size of elephants. Right. Or it could have been like the the synapsids and the mammals from the evolved from those would have been the dominant ones, but the dinosaurs would have been like kind of like lizards and snakes and turtles are today, little and like. It could be. Yeah, I don't know. Speculative evolution. It's yeah. fun. Or they could have just been like birds, and it would have been exactly like the modern world, just <laughs> hundreds of millions <laughs> of years earlier. I don't know. Uh, but these burrows that Dictodon were in, uh, and the. Uh, are found so well because Dactylon like to nest near flood plains, and sometimes water would flow inside the burrow and drown the animals, thus turning them into wonderfully pristine fossils for paleontologists to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I think about, now that I think about it, paleontologists are monsters. <laughs> Yay, this thing died horribly. Now we can study it better. <laughs> Yay, this dinosaur had all these injuries and died young. Let's give him a cutesy name like Big Al and make a whole TV special about him. <laughs> That'll make up for all the suffering he went through. <laughs> Why do we celebrate these things? Oh, yeah, science. Yeah, science. I, I guess. Uh, it, and humans. We're I, just weird. I guess that's true, but it's okay, though. Still, though, poor creatures. Yeah, poor creatures back then. Yeah, but. Oh, well, alas. This thing was cute, though. It was actually pretty cute. Yeah, it was pretty for cute. its time. Yeah, if you see it in Walking with Monsters or Primeval, it's quite cute, and the way it kind of moves, and like the way it kind of makes a little like barks, like <laughs> and how it gets into all kinds of mischief in Primeval. Yeah, that thing causes them more headaches than they say. Well, I'm assuming like in modern times, it would probably like to chew on wires. It did do that in yeah. at least one episode. Yep, it liked to like you know tear up a bunch of stuff. Yep, did that. Yep. Don't get it, keep it away from paper or like. It caused a lot of problems in someone's apartment. Yeah, 
Yeah, like a yeah. Oh man, I can't imagine it in an apartment. You'd have to have like walls, like baby-proof walls or something. <laughs> Even then, more than that, because that beak yeah. it tore through stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know how I could have as a pet. Um, it's a bit too big to live keep in it. Arizona. Yeah, where it can dig through the sand and such. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. All right, well, let's rate it one out of sixty-five million, though. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty cute. I'm gonna give it like a thirty-five million or thirty-six million. I've noticed I've been giving everything in multiples of five million. That's just how I am, though. <laughs> well, let's mix it up a little bit. Thirty-six million for me. What about you? I mean, thirty-six is pretty solid for the little critter. It was a survivor. Yeah. It really was, and I love the pop culture appearances of what otherwise would be an obscure little that's true for prehistoric creature. If it wasn't for Walking Monsters in Primeval, like probably no one would think of this thing as anything cutesy, but. It was. No, it was a lot more cute than, like, Lystrosaurus or Lystrosaurus, however it's pronounced. <laughs> that thing looked derpy, man. <laughs> Have you seen that thing? It looks, looks like, woo. It's, it's like, it's, it, it looks like it's constantly just thinking, woo. woo, woo what's <laughs> Meanwhile, Daictodon's probably plotting its next caper. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good special. Uh, in a, I can imagine a Looney Tunes-esque short. The Daictodon <laughs> versus the Gorgonopsid. <laughs> Tom and Jerry style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except instead of pulling out chainsaws, they just pull out oversized rocks. <laughs> yeah, and then just try and bash the Gorgonops. <laughs> I don't know, like, Tom and Jerry could be very inventive with their slapstick. They really could. Like, have you ever seen that one where, like, they go, they're in a bowling alley, and then uh, Tom, oh, not, not Tom, Jerry throws a bowling ball Tom's way, he hits it, and because it's cartoon violence, he splits into a bunch of bowling pins as he gets hit yeah. and then lands in, like, a perfect bowling rink with all the bowling <laughs> pins having his eyes on it. I've seen that one and so many others. Just the slapstick cartooniness. I could picture Diictodont. Hey, yeah. hey, cartoonists who are listening, please. Yeah. Well, it's always, like, it's that classic Looney Tunes sort of thing where, like, you have the, the, the creature, you have the target... You have the creature really, really wanting that target, but you will never, ever let him get that target. Whether exactly. it's Tom and Jerry, Sylvester and Tweety, yep, uh, the Wiley e. Coyote, and uh, the Roadrunner, Scratton is Acorn. <laughs> like, it's impossible. The classic duos. Yep. I don't know. I could see Diictodont and Gorgon opposite. Just give them some more creative names. Right. I can see that. You know what's funny about the Scrat and the Acorn one? Because, like, that's the one where the the target isn't even alive. I mean, it is alive in a way. But, like, it's it can't move. So it's not like this Acorn outsmarts him like all the other ones. No, he, the Scrat just gets so unlucky. <laughs> and just his, random forces of nature. Random forces of nature. And sometimes his own hubris <laughs> <laughs> keeps him from... Getting his so it's acorn. almost Scrat versus the world for the acorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I love the one where he finds Scratlantis <laughs> at the end, and he finds a bunch of uh, Scrats that are, like, civilized, and they, they're covered in acorns, and they have all these acorns, but they're the, the one Scrat that he finds is like, Welcome, brother, and it's voiced by Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go look this up. This is in the, the fourth one. Oh, I haven't seen the fourth one yet. Uh, that's the last good one, I think. The fifth one just goes off the rails. There's a fifth? Yeah, the collision course. Oh, boy. It goes off the rails. <laughs> like, I can see why that one was the last one and why it didn't do as well. That one was too much. I mean, um, at that point, it sounds a lot like 
the Alpha and Omega series. Yeah. There was one big movie that was on the screen, on the big screen. Yeah. And, and then, then all like the a, others have just gone off the rails. And it's then like, the what? fandom Why? for it has gone nuts. Uh, yep. Anyways, well, that's it for this week. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of the show, you can contact me at MattsD at MatthewDonCareer.com for any general questions to any of the co-hosts. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at MatthewDonCareer on Facebook, at MatthewDon64 on Twitter, and MatthewDon64 on Instagram. I have a book series on Amazon Megazoic available for print and Kindle. No Diactodon in it, though. Bit, a bit afterwards uh, was is when my books took place. I do have a podcast called The Rich Wits, where two twits talk about writing. Uh, no Diactodon there either, and not that you would think there would be. <laughs> uh, also, if you could rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Algorithm, help it! It needs help, it needs food, it needs nurturing. <laughs> just just give it a rating and water that nice algorithm until it sprouts. Le- I'm losing the metaphor here. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this week. We'll see you at the end of every episode of Paleo Bites. Uh, Hey, those are my wires! Get off! That's the noise it makes, too. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.